Thank you so much, all those on the platform. James chapter 5 in your Bibles. Open there. Open your hearts. We always want to come hungry for the Word of God. We do our best as preachers to lend ear, to have a heart that God can move and speak to, get filled with the Holy Ghost, and um, believe that there will be Holy Ghost-filled recipients, amen. And so, James chapter 5, I want to preach on a topic that we hear a lot about, we know a lot about, but really we can never preach enough on. And as much as we hear about this, and as much as we know about this, it so often remains such a weak and uninspired area of people's lives. Ian Bounds is a well-known author of many books, and one of the highlights that he writes about is prayer. He says, we need the atmosphere of prayer, the prayer closet, to pervade our places of business. The sanctity of prayer is needed to fill our workplaces and our homes. We need the spirit of Sunday carried over to Monday, continued until Saturday. But this cannot be done by prayerless people. We need the prayer, or we need a people of prayer. Now, the issue of praying goes far beyond if we're actually making time to pray every day or not. Now, I know that could be an alarming statement, because you hear all the time, you need to pray every day, and you do. But it really goes beyond that. Although this is certainly where prayer begins, and a good prayer life begins by simply making a daily dedication To pray. The issue of prayer is whether we are putting all of our strength and heart into times of prayer. Because prayer involves the entirety of a man or a woman. Everything that we are poured into and focused in times of prayer And this is the type of prayer which is the secret to full consecration. And so I want to preach a sermon called The Fervency of Prayer. And I want you to look to James chapter 5, and I want you to read with me beginning in verse 16. Confess your trespasses to one another, and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three years and six months, and he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth produced its fruit. I want to talk about the fervency of prayer tonight, and I want to first look at the energy of prayer. You know, prayer has a focus, an intensity, and an energy level. In our text, we find this word fervent as it speaks of prayer. Now, the word in the Greek is the word energeo, which we get the English word energy from, translated as active or efficient. So in our text, he says the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much, or the energetic, active prayer of the righteous avails or is very powerful and effective. And that's what we're looking for in prayer. We're looking for prayer that is a powerful, effective prayer. So our text gives us a template for supernatural prayer results. I want you to hone in on this because... Some people give up on prayer just because you think it doesn't work. But I I want to draw you into my world for a moment in this sermon. Because here's a template for supernatural prayer results. First, there is a call to prayer by James. And then he highlights the prophet Elijah of the Old Testament. And he mentions the time that Elijah prayed. And the Bible says he earnestly prayed. And by doing that... God heard him and held back the rain for three and a half years. So Elijah, his prayers 
initiated a drought in the land. At the end of three and a half years, the Bible says he prays again, and the heavens open, and the rain came. And James makes a very clear observation that Elijah was a man with the nature just like ours. Elijah in and of himself was nothing special. But he had a special prayer life. And that's what sets people apart. And Elijah was a man that prayed with intensity and a high level of energy and focus. And prayer was not just something that he did to pass some time or simply fulfill his Christian duty because that'll get old. But it was a time of intensity that when Elijah prayed, it was a time of pressing into the kingdom of God, praying with the intention of seeing God move and overcoming his own human weakness and limitations And we know by reading of this man in the Bible that he had a powerful display of God working through his life. You know, the potency of prayer is in the energy, focus, and intensity of prayer. One man says this is not a praying age, but it is an age of great activity, of great movements, but one in which the tendency is very strong to stress the scene and the material, but to neglect and discount the unseen and the spiritual. You know, if we're going to truly tap the power of prayer, we're going to have to get past all the prayerless activity. One preacher said a comparatively very small number lead in prayer at the meetings. Fewer still pray with their families. Fewer still are in the habit of praying regularly in their prayer closets. Meetings, especially for prayer, are as rare as the frost is in June. You know, we are often in danger of substituting church work and ceaseless rounds of activities for prayer and holy living. Nothing substitutes for prayer. That's one thing that was imparted to us early on in our Christian lives is you can be as talented as this day is long, but if you don't pray, that talent won't be anointed of God. And we were taught this early on. We understood that before we do anything, before we embark on any endeavor, any ministry for God, it's going to require that we have some prayer meetings. As one preacher said, the gospel moves with slow and timid pace when the saints are not at their prayers early and late and long. See, prayerlessness is a hindrance. It slows down what God wants to do. And it gets in the way of what God wants to do. True prayer is not just leaving it stuck on automatic tongue mode or meditating silently to yourself. But prayer is speaking in tongues. It is also speaking, the operative word speaking. When you talk with God, you're talking with God. It is speaking to God verbally, very intensely, and focused with God about people, about circumstances, about you, about the needs of the church, and about revival. And true prayer is not passive activity. But when Jesus was in the garden, we're given this tremendous contrast as the disciples are there and they lost interest pretty quickly in prayer. And you can begin to gauge um, yourself by this very thing, how quickly you lose interest in a prayer meeting. They quickly lost interest and faded off. And here's Jesus uh, and he's contending, and he's pressing in. And the Bible says in Luke twenty-two forty-four, and being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. And his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. And so, while I realize <clears throat> there was a lot on the line for Jesus here, 
can I suggest that there's always a lot on the line for all of us? That there's always, every single day, so much that needs our prayers for those around us, uh, for the world that we live in, uh, for the things, uh, you know, you know, God kind of poked his finger in my chest this week. You know, I, I like listening to talk radio here and there when I'm in my car and keeping up with the news. But boy, sometimes it can spin your head with all the nonsense. And I'm getting worked up and, and God poked my chest. Why don't you pray about this? Because there's always a lot on the line. And while the disciples were fading off, Jesus was pressing in. See, prayer requires great enthusiasm. Prayer without enthusiasm has no heart in it. All real praying involves heart, soul, and life. Ian Bounds again said, prayer must be red hot. It is the fervent prayer that is effective and profitable. Coldness of spirit hinders prayer. It takes fire to make prayer go. That's why God gave us the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's the fire that He puts in us that moves us in the prayer place. So I want to secondly talk with you about prayer and the entire man. So in our text, it reveals something to us about Elijah. The prayer was not just some side thing he did to make sure he didn't backslide. But Elijah was a man of prayer, a man that knew how to move heaven to action. Elijah had a prayer life that God took notice of. And in verse 17, the Bible says Elijah was a man just like us, just like us. Nothing special about this man other than his prayer life. And the Bible says, just like us, he prayed earnestly. That is defined as intensely. That this man, on the one hand, being nothing special, had this special prayer life, uh, not because uh, he had some uh, thing that God put in him that he doesn't put anybody else. It's something he, he made up his mind about it in context with his calling. Prayer was not a side thing. It was the main thing. In 1 Thessalonians 5.17, it exhorts you and I, pray without ceasing. And Bible commentator Albert Barnes says of this scripture, that we are to be regular and constant in the observance of the stated seasons of prayer. We are to observe the duty of prayer in the closet, in the family, in the assembly convened to call on the name of the Lord. We are not to allow this duty to be interrupted or intermitted by any trifling cause. Can you say cell phones? Uh, We are so to act uh, that it may be said we pray regularly in the closet, in the family, and at the usual seasons when the church prays, to which we belong, we are to maintain an uninterrupted and constant spirit of prayer. Pray without ceasing. True prayer involves everything that we are. Our entire lives, minds, affection, and energy. And the nature of prayer is spread over the whole man or the whole woman. All that we are is invested in prayer, not only in the time of prayer, but after the prayers are over. We don't pray just so that we can go about our day and forget the rest of the day. Not think about God or talk to Him anymore than the day. We did our prayer and off we go. No, no. Prayer is everything. It's who we are. It's what we are. If you can go a day without prayer, then you're not there. You're not fully invested in prayer. And prayer is not a high priority in your life if you can go a day without prayer. One preacher said, No half-hearted, half-brained, half-spirited effort will do for this serious, all-important heavenly business. The whole heart, the whole brain, the whole spirit must be engaged in the matter of praying, which is so mightily to affect the character of, 
and destinies of men. And the psalmist adds something to this in Psalms 119 verse 2. Blessed are those who keep his testimonies, who seek him with their whole heart. And again in Psalms 119.10, with my whole heart, I have sought you. So everything we are, it, it involves the entire person. Prayer involves the entire person, everything that we are. One man wrote a small poem, Tis not enough to bend the knee and words of prayer to say, The heart must with the lips agree or else we do not pray. In other words, it's a heart issue, not just a right heart, uh, but our heart is fully invested in prayer. It's not just something we do or put it on automatic mode and just kind of pass the time and fulfill it and off we go. One author says it's a, it has the nature... Didn't bring my glasses. Okay, it has the nature of a great battle, a conflict to win, a great battle to be fought as the soldier. The praying Christian fights a life and death struggle. His honor and his immortality and eternal life are all in it. It's linked to your prayer life. This is praying as the athlete struggles for the mastery and for the crown and he puts... And he wrestles or runs a race. Everything depends on the strength that he puts into it. Energy, ardor, swiftness. Every power of his nature is in it. Every power is quickened and strained to its very utmost. Littleness, half-heartedness, weakness, and laziness are all absent. That's a great description for us about prayer and the entire man or woman. Because there's so much more to what goes into real prayer and what we're contending against in prayer than we often realize. And we can find ourselves mindlessly praying or going through the motions. or And I'm not, again, everything has its seasons. I've been in those seasons where I mean, I'm praying faithfully and really pressing in and feel like somehow the heavens are brass, but those seasons didn't last forever. God had his reason for that, but I'm, I'm talking about something in us spiritually that is lacking when it comes to the prayer place. An edge to the prayer, an, an intensity to the prayer, a focus, a, a pouring of all that we are undistra- undistracted into the prayer place. And we are warned against feeble praying, in Luke 18, 1, and he spoke, this is Jesus, spoke a parable to them that men always ought to pray and not to lose heart. So Jesus is promoting the idea that we must possess enough enthusiasm for prayer that will carry us over the long haul through every season of life, uh, through the long periods of pleading that involve unanswered prayer. There has to be enough enthusiasm or else you're just going to just fade off and prayer will become a thing that you use simply when you don't want to go too far away from God. Prayer is more than just expressing our desires to God. But true prayer is to acquire a fervent spirit and then seek to cultivate it. I'm not telling you what you should pray about. That's between you, God, your needs, the Holy Ghost, how God guides your prayer life. What I'm saying is that it requires fervency. That You must get that fire in your spirit that that translates into your prayer life, and then you must cultivate that. It's not something that you let slip away or become something of the past, uh, but it's something very much of the present. You know... My reference points come from the early days of my salvation because, you know, we had plenty of problems in the church in those days. There was nothing perfect and there was plenty of everything we deal with today. But the one thing we we definitely had was an understanding of prayer. And there was a fire in our prayer meetings. And we learned early on as brand new, we caught that fire in the prayer meetings. 
We would sit in a prayer room and early on, in my case, saved in a pioneer church. It was listening to my pastor and pastor's wife that prayed and contended. And that caught me and captured me and compelled me to pray. And then we as the brethren, as we got together as disciples, we caught that fire and we would begin to promote our own prayer meetings and times of contending and and fasting and just pressing in because we we knew, we understood that this is the key to unleashing God in, in the earth. That our prayer lives must be filled with strength and heart. All of our strength and heart poured into seeking God petitioning his throne, pressing in with the issues of our age and the issues of God's church and others and our own lives as well. Elijah was a man that knew how to bring heaven upon the earth. Well, this is New Testament, folks. Using that, that tells me that God is still looking to bring heaven upon the earth through people's prayers. It's fervent prayer that establishes the kingdom of God and all of its authority. The disciples saw their deficiency as they're around Jesus. And and that's why being in corporate prayer meetings is good for you. Shame on you if you can come to pre-church service prayer meetings. You just don't. Shame on you. Because this is what sets the, the pace for what God wants to do. Much less you get a gauge on yourself. You get in that prayer meeting, you might realize how dead your prayers really are. Or how alive they are. Or you might be able to feed into the atmosphere because you do have an on-fire prayer life. Well, share it with us. Come on, somebody. It's a fervent prayer that establishes the kingdom. And Jesus is there. And the disciples see their deficiency when they're side by side in a prayer meeting with Jesus. So they came to him in Luke chapter 11, verse 1. Now it came to pass as he was praying in a certain place uh, when he seized, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. So Jesus then gives them what has become the Catholic formula for prayer, which was never meant to be a formula, by the way. And every good Catholic knew the Lord's Prayer. Jesus gives them the structure simply to cover the essential focus points of prayer. But it was the parable he tells right after this that adds the emphasis in Luke 11, 5 through 8. He said to them, which of you shall have a friend and go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves for a friend of mine has come to me on his journey and I have nothing to set before him. He will answer from within and say, do not trouble me. The door is now shut. My children are with me in bed. I cannot rise and give to you. I say to you, though he will not rise and give to him because he's a friend, yet because of his persistence, he will rise and give him as many as he needs. Lord, teach us to pray. Gives them the structure of prayer, the prayer points. And then he says the real emphasis of prayer is the persistence. That word in this particular text, persistence, means or is translated as importunity or boldness. The point is that prayer, effective prayer, is backed by a spirit associated with the one who is doing the praying. So it's all about the spirit of our lives. The effect of our prayers has everything to do with the spirit of our lives. Your prayers are linked to who you are, what you believe, the level of your faith. The condition of your spiritual life. Because it's the entire person that's involved in prayer. It's not just some side thing. No, it's who we are or are not. Every aspect of your life, your entire person, determines the spirit and therefore the impact of your prayers. 
Someone once said, prayer is the soul of a person pleading with God for others. It's everything that you are. Invested before God. For others or for whatever the need may be. So let me then conclude with making our lives conduits in the prayer place. A conduit is a channel in which something is conveyed. And so it's, you could use something for a conduit for electricity, you know. Whatever it travels, gets from this point to this point. We're looking for the power of heaven to come out on the earth, and we're looking for people that God can do it through. And our lives need to be that in the prayer place, a conduit. Elijah, through the spirit of his life, the consecration that he lived was a conduit for God to move upon the earth. It was said of Elijah, his personal prayer life was the key to God's public display of power through him. So anywhere you see God moving, you can typically say, it's linked to their prayer life. See, we the people that make up God's church and represent God's purposes who are involved in the church's activities should all be shaped by prayer. All be shaped by prayer. That's why we pray before everything that we do. That's why I I, I put a, a standard on our edge that at 7 o'clock, all of the practices and everything stop and we pray. Because God forbid that we try to do this without God helping us. And shame on you who minister for God without an active, energetic prayer life. That somehow you think you're so good and so amazing and so off. No. Very bad. Because we need to be conduits. And once we get into a position, a platform, whatever we're doing, children's ministries, everything. Sometimes we think that, it, no, no, everything we do needs the flow of prayer in it. The energy of prayer. The cutting edge of prayer. The activity of a prayer life. In our text, I found it interesting how James began this discourse about effective prayer. Verses 16 and 17. Confess your trespasses to one another. Pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. So the quality and effectiveness of our prayers is linked to our heart condition. But one important area that he, he points out here for us that dictates the quality and fervency of your prayers is your relationship with others. Keeping your heart right with others, all others, not just the others you decide to. And then he says the fervent prayer of the righteous man avails much. Now, righteousness, what that deals with, it deals with our whole being. Righteousness is not just this one thing. Righteousness is everything God expects. And so righteousness deals with the whole being of a person, every area of our lives being right with God and right with others. Now, I realize we're not always 100% there, but that's our goal. That's our goal. That's what we're shooting for. The end of the day, when we've gone off track and we feel ourselves kind of Uh, separating, we we push back into that place in our lives because there is where we can become conduits for God. And I believe that this is one of the reasons why Elijah, remember when he went on the mountain, he fled from Jezebel? Pastor Lamb came here and preached a a sermon on Elijah and he he pinpointed uh, a lot of self-pity going on there. And I believe that this was one of the reasons that after he came down and something something just didn't realign in him, that God said, then go down and anoint Elijah. 
He'll take your place. We must constantly be realigning our hearts with God, with others, and responding to His Word in repentance. This has direct influence upon our prayers. And many times when our hearts start going sour, especially with relationships, we lose all desire to truly seek God. Just kind of begins to fade off. Or in your hour of weariness and things are pressing in. But the Bible says that Jesus in agony prayed more earnestly. That when you're in the hour of trial in your life, it requires that you pray more earnestly. Not less, but more. Because what we want is to make our lives a conduit in the prayer place that God can then use to reach out and touch. And move and and work on our behalf in demonstrative ways. You know, I was thinking about, you know, you think about the prophets. Think about Jesus himself. On the drop of a dime, you can be going through the day. You're about midday. And, you know, about the middle of the day, there's a lot going on. You've lost your initial energy and thrust. You're kind of far from the initial uh, prayer meeting you had. And, you know. Things are happening in the day. Maybe you've gotten some phone calls. Maybe you're, And then all of a sudden, somebody comes and needs a miracle, and they just stop everything. Bam, miracle, and they, they move on. Well, how did they do that? Had to do with their prayer life. Had to do with the unceasing manner of prayer in their lives. Are our prayer lives conduits For God to have expression through us. Because it's more than just surviving, folks. It's more than just, uh, I prayed today, I prayed today. The question is, are your prayers a conduit? Is everything that you are a part of your prayers? Is every aspect of your life, uh, is your heart, are you maintaining your heart and your spirit? Are you maintaining your attitude? Because all of this has to do with our prayers. And the effectiveness of our prayers. Now, I'm telling you, when God poked me, I, I don't know if you understand what I'm talking about. He poked me. Not literally, but I mean, I knew right then and there, it's like, in other words, what he was saying, if you'll pray about these things, something can happen. But if all you're going to do is whine and complain about it, forget it. Our, our prayer lives, conduits for God, have expression through us, through our faithful, steady, passionate, fervent, righteous prayers. Because that's the call of this altar tonight. I want every head bowed and every eye closed. As our hearts are open to the Spirit of God. God can move us, God can stir us, that God can inspire us. You always hesitate about preaching on prayer because you've heard every conceivable prayer sermon there is. But you know what? As much as we know about it, so often remains an area that's so uninspired in our lives. We just need to hear more about it. And we need the atmosphere of the prayer clauses to pervade everything that we do in life. Before I go any further, you're here, you're sitting under the sound of my voice. You're not a Christian. You have not given your life to Jesus Christ. You're not living for God. Matter of fact, you may even be here and things are quite the mess surrounding your life. I had somebody in my office today and they... They don't attend the church, but they've got quite a mess. They used to be a Christian. They were going on about how, oh, it's because of this and that. And I stopped them. I said, no, you know what the problem is? I said, it's sin. Tried to go again and say, no, it's because of this person. No, 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 it's sin. And you choose the sin, not the consequences. But there's good news tonight that when you take that sin and you bring it before God and you repent at an altar... 
the power of that sin is broken over your life. That's what you need tonight. You don't need another program. You don't need another religious place to go to or, or just get away and get some new friends. No, what you need is an encounter with the living God. And This is what I'm making an appeal for right now. That you're not right with God. You're willing to admit you're not right with God. But you're willing to allow us to pray with you to bring you to Jesus Christ. Sins forgiven. Life changed. That's what it's all about. That's what he did for me. You'd say, you know what, Pastor Briglisi, that's where I'm at. That's what I want. I'm not right with God, but I want to get right tonight. And I want to ask you to do something if that's you. Just lift your hand for me. I'm going to see that hand. I'll acknowledge it. You can put it down. I'm ready to get right tonight. Thank you so much. You can put that hand down. Who else? I'm ready to get right with God tonight. I'm ready to align my life with Jesus Christ. Not going to live my way anymore because it's created a mess. I need forgiveness. I need the change that only God can bring. I know that and I'm ready to pray. Thank you so much. You can put that hand down. God bless you. Who else tonight? You're not right with God, but God is dealing with you. What what a powerful moment that's set before you. All of your life in a moment of time can be radically changed. Do you understand that? I'm talking radically changed. You're not looking at a a bunch of church people born into church and done this all. No, no, no. We were sinners living in sin, bound, angry, hurt, bitter, addicted. And in a moment of time, just like you're doing right now, said, yes, pray with me. I'm ready to give my life to Christ. And, And the change, the powerful change, that's what's before you right now. Who else with these honest hearts say, that's me. I'm not right, but I'm ready to get right. Pray with me, please. Just lift your hand so I can see it. You're going on record. I'm ready to pray and give my life to Jesus Christ. I want to be right with God. Thank you so much. You can put that hand down. Thank you. You can might be backslidden. You're sitting here. You know it. I'm preaching in circles to you. You've heard it all. But you know what? It's time to get your heart right tonight. God is ready for you. It's time to come back. Who would that be? God's dealing with you. You're backslidden. Come to Jesus. Lift your hand up all across this place very quickly. Okay, you lifted your hands. I want you to look at me eye to eye. I want you to look at me. Did you mean that? You meant that. I believe you did. You meant right here. I want you both to come. We have somebody coming with you. God bless you. Somebody's coming with this sister. Somebody's coming over here. Meet them in the aisles. They can come. God bless you. God's going to help you. They're going to come meet. Who's, Who's coming right here? Quickly, a sister. God bless you. God bless you. God's going to help you. She's going to pray with you right here. Right here. Okay, listen, church. Every head is bowed. Every eye is closed. The fervency of prayer. There's an energy involved. There's an intensity. There's an activity. And it involves the entire person. It isn't a side thing. It's the main thing. It isn't something we just do at our leisure. It is not a passive activity. It involves pouring ourselves out before God time and time again. And it involves the condition of our heart and our spirit. It's the prayer of the righteous that avails. Righteousness involves everything that we are. Everything that God requires is what righteousness involves. So you may be able to say, I'm doing good here, doing good here. But you got this area over here that's really, really bad. You know, we need to align that. I'm not saying you're always at 100%, but you're, you're pressing for that. That's your goal. You're not the type that will sit through service after service after service and never respond, never seem to see that you need any help. But you know what, God, I need help. I need you to help me. I need you to change me. And it all has to do with our prayer life, every bit of it. And when you don't keep your heart right, and especially in relationships, you'll find yourself begin to drift from the prayer place. The prayer is just, it's just not that appealing anymore. You can't sustain it because it's a spiritual activity. You'll find that. Some of you are into the trial of your life. This is the time to be more earnest in prayer, not less. I'll tell you what, I can give you my own testimony over the years that when things were the hardest and I'd 
chose to press in it in spite of it. I tell you what, I have some, some powerful reference points that God has given me because of that. You young people, and I do see more of you praying, and so I will go on record to say I do see more of you praying. And, but I tell you, you need, to, you need to really get the fire of prayer in your life. You really need to get down to the business. Too often you're wandering around during prayer meetings. You're getting up on stage and you gave five whole minutes to God like as if your your talents are so amazing. You know what? Let's do this for God. Let's press in. Let's lay the fervency. Let's come to this altar and respond. I'm going to have you stand with me. These altars are open. Let's come before God. Starts at an altar. My prayer is God, take the fire off the altar and place it in our lives. That's what we need because the Bible says we are as a living sacrifice. That when we come before God, we're presenting our entire bodies. That tells me that what we're doing here involves everything that we are. All that we are is involved in this. Not just a little bit or some side thing we do or we just kind of tinker around. No, everything that we are is involved in this. All that we are is to be poured out into this. And God will meet with you. Because God is looking for conduits in the prayer place. Are you a leader in prayer? Can your prayer spark a prayer meeting? Or does it always take Pastor Stevens or somebody else to spark the prayer meeting? Because that's important. Oh, God, help us. God, fill us where we lack. Lord, a fresh baptism of the Holy Spirit upon us tonight, Lord. Fill us again, my God. Oh, let the Spirit of God burn hot within us, Lord, burning up every idle thing, every carnal thing, every worldly thing, Lord, every unrighteous thing. Lord, cleanse our lives tonight. Let your holiness prevail in this altar. Oh, conviction of God would fall right now upon our hearts. Thank you, Lord. Oh, my Lord and my God, have right of way, Lord. Move in your power, God. By your Holy Spirit, Lord, fill this place tonight. Oh, God, put a fire in our prayer lives, Lord. A hot, fervent spirit that would motivate us and burn within us, oh, God. Lord, raise up conduits in the prayer place. God, raise up intercessor prayer warriors tonight, my God. Oh, God, we thank you. We need you, Lord. God, give us the glimpse of eternity, Lord. Oh, Lord, peel back flesh tonight, Lord. Cleanse us of the temporal mindedness, Lord. Oh, cleanse us of materialism, Lord, and everything that would be an idolatrous pursuit in our lives. Let it be surrendered at the altar of God. That our prayer lives would be filled with the Holy Spirit. Oh, Lord. Worthy to be praised, my God. Oh, my God, my God, help us, Lord. Move in your power. It's time to renew the prayer place in our lives. As we gauge ourselves against a sermon and against the spirit of an altar call, that we renew ourselves in the prayer place. We reassert ourselves in the prayer place and once again begin to press in and contend and lay hold of God and, and look for a manifestation of His glory and expect a the dimension of God's power to be at work. And expect that we can bring heaven on earth through our prayers. 
What things are bothering you, really bothering you, start praying for them like you've never prayed for them before. See what God will do. You know, that's the power of prayer tonight, that you can, you can dictate world events through prayer. Think about that. We're sitting in El Paso, Texas. We can dictate world events through our prayer lives. That's the power of prayer. I want you to stand right where you're at at this altar. And, and what we need is, is, and this is just across the board. I know some of you have terrific prayer lives. Stay right where you're at. Don't go to your seats. We, we always need more. You know, when I start reading the books on revival and get so convicting because you, you realize how anemic your prayer life is, even when you think you have a good one, when you measure it against those that really produced revival. God help us. But he will as we respond. As we go on record, I'm going to re-up in the prayer place. It's, it's going to be everything that I am. My, the entirety of who I am is going to be manifest in prayer. And those areas of my life that I've allowed to grow cold, calloused, indifferent, relational issues, whatever they may be, I'm going to deal with them in my life so that the righteousness of God will be in me. There will be effective prayers. That's what God wants, effective prayers. How's your prayer life tonight? That's the question to ask. Do you pray every single day, first of all? And I'm not saying if you just had one of those moments, you just missed prayer, just one of those days, alarm didn't go off, that you're cursed into everlasting judgment. No. But it's just a decision you made. Just don't feel like it today. It's not going to. Then you're not there yet. Once you're there, what's the condition of your prayers? Are you contending, pressing in? You're locking in to God when you're praying. You're really, and I realize not everybody has this decibel level of prayer that can shake the earth. That's not what I'm talking about. But you can still contend. You can still press in. That's what we're going to renew at this altar. And, and, and what we're going to do is we lift our hands before heaven. And I'm going to lead you in a prayer. And then when I'm done, I just want you to offer yourself as a living sacrifice on God's altar. And let him consume you. That's what I want you to do. Say, oh God in heaven, I am sorry for allowing my prayer life to lose fire to lose appeal. But God, tonight, I'm repenting. And I'm asking you to fill me afresh with your Holy Spirit. God, I'm sorry. I've allowed my spirit to go sour in areas of my life. God, I'm sorry that I've held on to offense or unforgiveness or bitterness. But I'm letting it go at this altar that I would have righteousness in my prayers. God, consume me for what you're consumed for. Fill me with all that you are. God, teach me to pray by your Holy Spirit. I thank you that you've heard me in Jesus' name. Now offer yourself tonight. Father, we thank you. Oh, God, we honor you in this place, Father. We place our lives before you, God, in your holiness. Uh, God, consume us. Uh, cleanse us, Lord. Uh, sanctify us, O oh God. Uh, fill us, Lord, uh, with the sanctifying Spirit of God. Hallelujah. I corrobo sororororo coro shibi elelelele rebende. Worebebebe kiondoro corrobo shibi andorobo. Hallelujah, Lord and Savior, we thank you, God. Fire of revival fall upon every heart, God. Oh, Lord, the fire of the altar, Lord. Oh, 
Hallelujah, Lord, wonderful God. Iaraba korobo sebe. Ikondi bishibi anaramaye. Hallelujah. Worthy, oh God, we thank you, Lord. Fill us afresh and anew, Lord, I pray. Oh, let the Spirit of God have right of way tonight, Lord. Heal back all flesh, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Tomorrow morning, if you can come, be here between six and nine. If not, find a place, make make an altar in your home. You know, let me just say this and I'll close. You know, some of you, if you just begin praying in your home, you're going to see a massive difference in the climate of your home. You'll You'll be totally blown away. What the prayer does for your home, the peace of God, the presence of God that will be there. God will make you sensitive. You know, I, I've always had a heavy conviction, early days of my salvation, that my home is a sanctuary for God. I do everything I can to rid it of any worldly influence that could possibly be there. But you could do all that, but without prayer, prayer is the consummation of all that. And I want to challenge you, pray in your home. You know, I thank God if I have a praying wife. As far as I can ever remember, before we even got married, she she's always had a, a very intense prayer life. Uh, in raising our our children, they all they went to public school. She would have to get them going early. Uh, she always, I always could find her in her prayer place, and in her Bible devotional reading from the earliest days I can remember till this day. You walk into the house at a certain time. Uh, she doesn't always come to the Saturday prayer meetings, but I tell you, before I even leave the house, now that's later, she's already in her prayer. I leave her alone, close the door. I don't mess with her. Uh, and I thank God because that really, really makes a big difference in my home. Humongous difference. So I want to challenge you stay-at-home moms. Don't just sleep in and lounge around. Get up and make a prayer place uh, and really lay a foundation for your home, and God will help you. God will help you. Amen. So let's go. Let's let's be a people of prayer. Let's encourage one another in this area. Help one another out. Be in prayer for each other. Amen. Uh, don't forget the uh, Spanish service tomorrow. Bible studies Friday. The youth are going to meet briefly at the piano. Ernie's Bible study at the flag. Saturday, prayer and outreach in the morning. Six o'clock ministry meeting. And then the edge. And then we're back in church. Sunday school. Regular service. Also serious men. And the whole thing. So let's. Let's bow our heads. Thank God for all that he's done tonight. We're going to dismiss in prayer, rejoicing in God. My brother George Runghill will lift his voice and dismiss us tonight.